Michael and John work at HC Pro. It's almost four hours northwest of Melbourne in Horsham. HC Pro is also Redbubble's first fulfiller. When I ask them about Redbubble, there's a story that comes to mind pretty quickly. Some time ago, the general manager of HC Pro was showing a school group around the factory, as they do. While the school group was coming through, John was putting together a frame print that had you know, a naked lady on it, so he turned it over, put it face down so the school group wouldn't see it. And he happened to pick up a print and go, here, I've got something to show you, this is what Redbubble do. And he picks up the frame and just holds it up, shows it around. <laughs> Without knowing what was on the other side. So it's not quite appropriate for a school group, is it? <laughs> what did the school group do? I can't remember. We were just embarrassed watching it. That's the content of Redbubble. You don't know what the next thing is. Michael Gellert, I'm the business development manager at HC Pro. Uh, I've been here for nearly 15 years. When Redbubble started, I was the guy putting the frames together and packaging them up and sending them out. And then I had one person help me sometimes. And then I had one person help me a lot of the time. And then I had two people help me. And then I went and did something else and there were more people doing Redbubble. So, you know, there's, um, and that's how it grew. It was just an organic process where it's a little bit more kind of penetration into awareness and, and the market that it just, it started to grow and, and uh, expand, expand both the product range and the amount of orders coming through. Okay, hey, this is, Sorry. Come on, Connie. <laughs> when you're ready, I'll shut up. Hey, this is Michael from HC Pro in Horsham, Victoria, and you're listening to Scale Up by Launch Vic. I'm Courtney Carthy, and like Michael said, this is Scale Up from Launch Vic. In 2018, there's 15 suppliers from about 25 locations the world over, all printing on-demand one-off products and shipping them globally. This episode... As we see the stickers rolling off the printer in Horsham, there's also the world view to take in. Currently, only 7% of Redbubble sales are within Australia's boundaries. LaunchVic, they're Victoria's supporter of the startup ecosystem, building the infrastructure to help startups here succeed and scale. If you're in the midst of a startup or thinking about one, check out launchvic.org for information, events, and resources. We actually chartered uh, a small plane. Xavier Shea, you'll recognize him from previous episodes. At the time of the trip, about 10 years ago, everyone in the company could fit into a light plane. So that's what happened. I think it could fit 10 people. And it, it actually like ended up being not that much more expensive than you know getting a couple of cars. And so we had 10 of us, we all, we all flew up to Horsham Colour for the day. And that was really fun. It's the only time I've been in a light light plane, you know, and you actually get to you know fly into Horsham and fly back into Melbourne, you actually can see the, the city, which you, you don't really get as much in, in the big commercial airlines. But I remember that being a lot of fun. That was, that was cool. I'm just, just going to get to see and talk to the guys who are printing all this stuff for us. One thing that's incredible about the business model was mentioned in an investor presentation by co-founder Martin Hosking. Here he is. We don't actually do any of the fulfillment. We don't hold any inventory. We don't have any distribution warehousing costs. I initially thought this would make it so much easier for Redbubble, and arguably it has, but like the artist payments that create an incredible accounting complexity when combined with all the other financials, cross-border as well, it's easy to forget about the immense manufacturing and logistical feat that's going on silently in the background. 
And that's something common to observing Redbubble, I've found. Step out of the consumer ecosystem and watch all the business-to-business traffic. It's immense. On the Redbubble front page, you see about 100 images when you land, but lingering just a search away are potentially billions of unique configurations when you marry the art with the product and any other specifications the site allows. And it's 25 or so factories around the world capable of creating it all. In Horsham, HC Pro is pretty specialized, but it still takes care of a bit. Back to Michael in the print shop. The first we know about an order might be that there's a print coming off off a printer because it's landed on the FTP, it's been moved, the file's been read, uh, it's directed to the right hot folder, the printer picks it up, knows what size to print it, uh, and spits out the right quantity. And then we'll work through a matchup what our uh, paperwork says from the Redbubble admin site and know how to treat that so and take it to the next step, which is going to be a handmade process. So yeah. there's automation to get it to the right spot and then there's hand assembly to produce it into a real thing. Uh, when I started, we only had photographic printing. So just, just one process. Yeah. Uh, and the whole business is built on one printing process. Uh, now we run photographic, inkjet, dye sub, solvent, uh, UV cured inkjet, uh, digital press. Do you remember the first time you heard about Redbubble? Yeah, so the, the Redbubble was actually came out of, um, from my involvement, um, my best mate had a online framing company he'd started with another friend and uh, we were the fulfiller for that and uh, just getting into the integration and fulfillment starting process, testing orders, uh, messing around. Michael says that Redbubble ended up buying that company very early on and absorbing the process for its own business. If you know Horsham, it's not the place you'd expect to be associated with a global tech startup. It's right in the dry land farming area of Victoria. About 17,000 or so people live here. It's a bit of a hub for the agricultural industry, particularly wheat and wool. Michael says, though, it's changing. So people used to grow up here and, and continue on farms or whatever that industry looked like and, uh, and used to be here. And, and, and so the cycle continued. But I think it's a changing, it's a changing place. You know, you're seeing... Um, uh, you know, multiculturalism has probably been a recent thing to happen to, to Horsham, you know, but um, it's, you're seeing a lot more kind of diversity in the last five years than, than ever before. When they're not printing for Redbubble, they're working on high quality, fast turnaround photographic things like school photos or wedding photos. The school photos are a nice balance to the business as they're going on during the year before Redbubble's busy season around Christmas. Uh, where Rub- Redbubble's a bit different is uh, we send everything to their customer, so B2C. Yep. Uh, so we, we are the last bastion of quality control. And we not only produce the work, but we quality control it oh. and dispatch it directly. What do, what do you think of some of the artwork that comes through that you might see? It's not our job to judge the content, it's our job to judge the quality of the finished product. All oh, right. can you read that out? What does that say? I, like I said, I can look at the, the quality of the print. <laughs> <laughs> the content's not my concern. All right, I'll do the content then. It says, don't be a dick with a full stop. Uh, it's white with black writing. And then there's a Salvador Dali reprint. Not the most risque artwork I saw being prepped in Horsham that day by any stretch. At a distance, 
The sticker roll coming out of the printer looks like a seemingly odd texture. And then you get up close and you see the detail of each one. Something that someone somewhere in the world has labored over, probably on Adobe Illustrator, toyed with the color schemes, took the time to export it and upload it to Redbubble. Then another person, probably in a different part of the world, thousands of kilometers away, saw it, liked it enough to buy it. When they click the buy button, the order eventually gets to the stack of servers at HC Pro. They're over in the corner, about 20 meters away from the sticker printer. Thousands of these stickers will be made today. After the stickers cut out and individually packed in Redbubble branded postage packets, another process begins, getting it from the factory to the person somewhere around the world. It's another area Redbubble's been unable to avoid getting involved in. I, for a period of time, was the mail distribution for Europe. Natalie Tyler, long-time employee based in London, arguably she's a little more experienced with this than others at Redbubble, thanks to a tight financial situation in the early years. And we figured out, well I didn't figure out, somebody figured out on my behalf that if we had UPS ship everything to my flat um, for Europe, <laughs> Yes, we're a very professional business now. We don't do this kind of thing. Um, everything would come, the UPS man would turn up with 20 kilo bags of post uh, for me. And luckily, you know, the sales volumes at that stage were not what they are now. Um, but everything would come to me via a UPS truck. It would be delivered to me. My UPS man wouldn't carry it up the stairs to my flat, which was two floors up. I'd lug those bags upstairs. I would spread everything out in my lounge room and sort the post and then I would take it downstairs and put it in the back of my little car and I would drive around the corner to the very nice lady at the post office and she would help me process all that via Royal Mail and that was a more efficient way of doing our postage for the volume that we had at that period of time and that went on for nine months. <laughs> and the way, the way that it came about was... Um, my boss rang me and said, we need to cut some costs. We need to um, put some stuff in place. I'm going to need you to do me some favours. I said, all right, what do you need? need you to process all the posts for Europe. Um, and I said, oh, okay then. Um, and he said, great, because the first one's on its way. It's arriving tomorrow. So, so um, yeah, so I got the nickname of Postman Nat from my other UK colleague for a period of time. What was great about that arrangement was I couldn't take any holidays. <laughs> so um, we got closer and closer to Christmas and I knew that our volumes would increase and I knew that I was probably doing myself injuries every day, lugging the, the post downstairs and upstairs. Um, so I came up with a great arrangement where the UPS man and the lady at the post office got to know each other and they would, for the week, I got a week's holiday and they just cut me out as the middleman and, and the people, you know what English people are like with queuing at the post office? <laughs> the people that used to come in behind me in the queue with my 20 kilo bag of all of Red Bubbles posts, you could literally hear the exhale, the huffing that would happen. So, um... <laughs> So yeah, that was that was a um, er, very early days kind of links that we would go to 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 find our way around some tricky financial situations. Do you know how much money you saved over that? I've got no idea. I hope it was a lot of money. I hope it was a lot of money. Um, when I was carrying those bags up and down the stairs, I would, I think you know I was thinking, yeah, I hope this is a lot of money. 
Um, but yeah, we got towards Christmas and I just sort of said, I think we need another solution here. That's okay. Because I'd like to have, have Christmas with my family and not be sorting the post. The notion of creating a single product for a single customer was pretty far from reality for, 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 for manufacturing or printing at that stage. Martin Hosking again, and I've been unable to ascertain if Redbubble knew the strength of their timing in launching the company when they did. There would have been some knowledge that the manufacturing technology would get better, but would it get good enough, fast enough for the business to work? You've got to remember that back in 2007, 2006, 2007, print-on-demand wasn't a thing. Pair these points Martin's just made with the low volumes Redbubble was initially offering when they were starting out, you don't get a very attractive deal for the manufacturer who has to package and ship all of these individual products as well. And then they thought to give t-shirts a go. Even before the manufacturing, Redbubble had to prep the orders by hand. Nat Tyler remembers. When we launched T-shirts, um, Ed, who was one of the guys that uh, was instrumental in launching T-shirts on the site, was hand prepping all the files to go to print because we didn't really have a fulfiller set up for T-shirt printing. So until we got that in place, he was sitting there and every order that came through was manually prepping, I think in Photoshop, prepping the files and then sending them through in the correct format. So we had a, a really good relationship with our fillers, for fillers in the early days. Uh, we do still now, but I think it was there was a lot of learning and growing with each other, I think. Here's Xavier again. So we were kind of pioneering printing on T-shirts, print-on-demand T-shirts. There was a decent amount of print-on-demand T-shirt around, but the quality was all over the place. Um, like most other places that were printing on T-shirts, they, they were just rubbish. Uh, so you get screen printing, but then you have to get a batch. But to do one-off demand printing, which is what we were doing, you needed to actually, you know, do ink printing. And so I remember those guys flying around the world trying to find places that could do it that, you know, wasn't terrible. But the problem was actually finding somebody in the world who would actually do our production of these things. They'd found a supplier in California who'd agreed to do the work. They had the machines that could do it, so they gave it a go. Ed, a very early and long-time employee, had a big part in kicking off t-shirts for Redbubble with another guy, Tom. They're not in this series, but their early days of making t-shirts for Redbubble meant getting involved in just about every process. Finding a fulfiller, prepping the files, helping with the logistics, and one time learning how to run the machinery so they could fill in for the manufacturers when they'd gone away. But I do remember... Um some issues with the t-shirt printers that meant people jumping on planes to go and uh, visit fulfillers and try and sort out calibration issues and very hands-on kind of stuff happening. They had gone on holidays for a few days and weren't weren't shipping or weren't printing so it actually went out to Los Angeles to physically produce the, produce the, the t-shirts. Michael at HC Pro been around long enough to remember that too and you know humidity was a big issue for these machines uh, you had to have the right amount of humidity for the ink to travel through the heads properly yep. and to cure properly uh, this is a problem they were solving by building a plastic tent and having frying pans electric frying pans of water bubbling away in the corners to steam up the entire room working without shirts on sweating head to toe uh, 
just to get the humidity into the print. Then another tough spot in the US a couple of years later, another jumping on planes moment that Martin remembers when t-shirt printing was working well, well enough for the fulfiller to run out of t-shirts to print on, Redbubble mobilised to fill the supply shortage. So we'd bought an order of t-shirts in from American Apparel and got them into a truck and we were delivering those to a, to a fulfiller in Central America, in the Midwest of America, and the truck got lost. And we, and we went out to try and find where the truck had actually gone. And it never left, and I think it had never left the parking lot of American Apparel. And it was just sitting there and we, you know, and our fulfiller was desperate for some t-shirts to print. So, uh, and we actually had to physically go and find the truck as well. Everything my team does has to do with speed. This is Arno D.A. And I'm the Senior VP of Operations uh, for Redbubble, and I'm based in San Francisco, California. Arno's been to Horsham to see Michael a couple of times. He doesn't much enjoy driving on the other side of the road. Not only is he responsible for the operation that gets everything to customers between two and five days, The team is also measuring as much as possible to improve any way they can. Here's a great explanation I found in one of Redbubble's YouTube videos featuring Arno. We measure every single step of the experience. We measure the speed of delivery, we measure the quality score, we measure the feedback from customers, we look at the different surveys we get, and based on the data, um, for a particular country, for a particular product, or combination of product and country, we realize where we have our highs and lows, and we try to benefit from that understanding to take action in the field, whether it's a better carrier or better printing partners, um, to really improve the experience. We also have our quality manager physically visit every single um, fulfiller and perform quality controls at the location of printing to make sure that the blank products whether it's a t-shirt or a phone case, or the printing performs to our expectations. We are looking at a business from uh, as a flywheel, in a sense that the more artists, the more content, the more volume, the more customer we get, the closer to the customer, the better the experience, the better the experience, the more volume we get, and the more exposure to the artists and the content in, in the end. The point here at the end of the clip is really important, the concept of closer. This comes out, incidentally, when I asked him about misconceptions that exist in global logistics. A misconception, again, is believing that you need ways of shipping that are faster and faster and faster. This is not about faster shipping. This is about having more locations. Um, You look at Amazon, for example, they're successful not because they ship fast, but they're, they're they're creating more and more and more locations. Uh, closer and closer to the customer. The reason they deliver in an hour in San Francisco is not because they're using a magical shipping that is super fast. It's because they have multiple warehouses that are ready to um, deliver product. Um, interestingly, Amazon is using a lot of data. Data is a very important aspect where um, you might be aware or not that they're looking at your uh, previous purchase um, and they already have your next order packaged. 
before you even know which what you will buy. They are able to predict what is the next thing you're going to buy, and they already have packaged that order. It's unlikely Redbubble will ever be able to do this because everything's on demand, custom, unique. In addition to all of the air freight, shipping, postage, labelling and supplies, there's countries to deal with too. Anu says that the world can seem, as a customer, like it's flat. Even though we feel that you know the world is flat, uh, it's not as flat as one might think. Um, you still have a lot of regulations. You still have a lot of shipping uh, connections, whether it's a plane, a truck, um, a last mile delivery. The la- when we call the last mile delivery is is the very last step in the process where the actual um, package gets delivered, whether it's through a postal service or with a, uh, a courier or, or whatever that might be. Um, but there's a lot of intermediaries and a lot of different uh, participants in that logistic chain that are taking place that feel very transparent for the, the customer, but are actually all happening behind the scenes. In addition to all of the air freight, shipping, postage, labeling and supplies, there are countries to deal with too. Most difficult, what we call lane, and a lane is a product from country A to country B. I'm going to surprise you from the US to Canada. (laughs) This is the most difficult lane um, because the integration is not easy because um, the postal service don't really work well together. And also because there is so much volume going that it's always very backlogged um, at the border and going. And also customs minimums. Canada has the lowest minimum. So pretty much everything goes through customs duties. Um, so this is the most complicated one. And no one would, unless you're in the field, you wouldn't know that. The Canadian Border Services Agency says that if the item is worth more than 20 Canadian dollars, you must pay the applicable duty, like a GST. That's about 27 Australian dollars or 15 US dollars. If Redbubble ever decides to include a gift card service, the threshold jumps to 60 Canadian dollars. Compare that to Australia, where we're so excited to get things coming in from another country that duty and taxes don't kick in until something is worth over a thousand. If you've ever listened to the trailer or looked into Redbubble, you'd know they're now a public company listed on the ASX. Before that happens, people start taking a look at the business inside and out. Ivor Rees is one of those people. He's a senior analyst with the firm that helped take Redbubble public, and he's gone through Redbubble with a long checklist to assess the company. I've included him here because he's got some great observations about the logistics side of the business. They had done a lot of work on the logistics chain and they were getting the delivery times faster. And delivery time, the time between the order and the customer getting the product, has a huge impact on the way that people feel about uh, the service provider and whether they come back and use you again. Uh, and basically, in if you can get the product to them 90% of the time, in in sort of three to five days people will come back and use you again but you know for every day you go past five days the chance of that person coming back and using you again diminishes really rapidly so they had spent a lot of time 
on the logistics supply chain, just getting those connections right and getting the parcels out faster. The only thing that was really unusual about this company was that it was growing faster internationally than it was locally. You know, for them to be able to continue that growth, they needed to keep um, expanding their footprint globally, particularly uh, fulfillers. To get that time of delivery down to the customer down, you have to build more and more of these centres around the world. You know, it's not easy to to build... um, I'll give you an example. For someone um, who wanted to start uh, producing um, iPhone cases um, in Holland, for example, for their European market, you know, uh, the minimum cost for a machine is like two and a half million dollars. Like, this is not small beer. Uh, And so they had those challenges all over the world of choosing a local partner, choosing someone who could invest that kind of money and, you know, go through... 12 months of teething issues while they learned how to operate that machine and to get it up to the speed where they were making money out of it. So, you know, um, it sounds really simple. Oh, we'll just grow this online business. But I think they've got something more than 20 partners globally who are producing stuff all around the world. It's a logistical nightmare. You know, there'd be very few companies in Australia that would be dealing with the kind of day-to-day production challenges that this company does. There'd be very few. I don't think there's any other Australian company that's producing just in time uh, with massive swings of output. Like, you know, in December, um, their fulfillers are producing probably two to three times as many T-shirts, iPhone cases, whatever, in a day as they do in a normal time of the year. And they've got to get them out and they've got to be on the the loading dock at three o'clock in the afternoon by the time the truck turns up. If that truck, uh, if that load's not ready by three o'clock in the afternoon when the truck turns up, it's one day late. So it's a, it's a massive logistical exercise. Back in Horsham, Michael and I are standing around the printers in the crowded factory. You're never really far away from one. I'd had Michael on the phone to the post office trying to get an interview with the postmaster, but that came back negative. For anyone from Australia Post, they have to actually run it past the media. Oh, be, right. Be scripted before they're even allowed to talk to you. The reason is the close working relationship Michael has with them. Being a smaller city, these relationships can help both sides understand the needs of the other. Definitely spending time with your supplier and understanding what they do so that you can work in a sweet spot makes all the difference. You know, we um, have had products that have been and gone you know we were required to have a product in that market space and we worked hard to find something but at the end of the day it was a struggle for Redbubble and a struggle for us no one wins out of that so uh, you know there's definitely I think worth understanding the supplier's point of view so you know when you can ask to push and when it's going to create a tension it just squeezes out in another area um, so, but they're, they're choices that you can make together if you have like an open and direct relationship um, for us it's never been a matter of you know here's your directive and okay you just do it or suck it up um, uh, and you know I've, I guess being around for so long we've seen both sides of that story so yeah we've had occasions where you know um, so Redbubble's a tech company and they run on a bunch of developers and they need to do what streamlines their business. But um, when you change a file name and uh, or file name protocol and then all of our automation and, and order processing is based on that file name, 
that can kind of throw a little bit of a spanner in the works. No. Yeah, yeah. So that, I don't know. You know, that's um, kind of brings things to a grinding halt, and you're suddenly sending everything to print manually and resizing it manually, and and uh, trying to make sure it gets through. Yeah. And still the same order time frame. That yeah, that gets a little hard. Um, so yeah, there's some things you learn the hard way together, and and uh, I guess. Um, I've seen at each point, you know, people who are coming into Redbubble don't really know what we do or how we do it. And I think anytime someone comes, they're amazed because they get to see the care and the and the skill that goes into actually producing something that can be bought and sold really easily mm. and shipped. But what's behind it is just a little bit more complex than that. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone's ever come and not been inspired by what Redbubble produces here. Thanks to Michael and John at HC Pro for the tour. They said that in the lead up to Christmas, the printers will be running day and night with Redbubble artwork getting fed out. They rig up a webcam to keep an eye on it after they go home for dinner. Have you got anything wrong over the last couple of There's years? never been any mistakes, Courtney. Not one, ever. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> <laughs> there's, look, there's always there's always glitches and teething problems, particularly with new products. But uh, look, it's by and large, uh, it's a well-oiled machine because there's a there's a pattern of momentum that goes along with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but there's always something that can go wrong. Uh, you know, there, it could be as simple as someone mixing up a set of dispatch labels, and and you can send the wrong thing to the wrong person. But uh, we will always rectify and correct and go above and beyond to fix the problem and make sure a customer's happy. For links about a few things mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes and also for more information about Launch Vic or go to launchvic.org. They're Victoria's supporter of the startup ecosystem, building the infrastructure to help startups here succeed and scale. Whether you're in Melbourne or in Horsham, launchvic.org. Coming up on next episode... And it's funny you get slightly disembodied in that in this in, during these times because well, you exist in this strange world of, of anticipation of the potential of what it can look like if it's successful, but against the reality of you know imminent failure, and you know to, startups live on that line of imminent failure. And I'm I'm very and governments typically dramatically underestimate this. And when you look back, risk always looks much less risky. Um, you know if you if you look back and uh, at the time though when you're contemplating you know you know disaster on a sort of a weekly or daily basis um you know it's very very stressful for all of those involved and startups are all like that i've never heard a story of a startup which hasn't got that aspect built into it